We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Banks This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, coming to you live Wednesday, August 10th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got my guy, Kami Amurabian, with me tonight. Man, it's the, it's the old pick and roll crew. We we gone, man, how long have we been friends? How long have we been best friends? We realized we could be friends in one class in college, and then it just happened like the next semester. Specifically, how we graduated we- in 2014 undergrad, don't forget. Yes. Specifically, when we realized we could be friends was we were in a college class for an entire history semester. History of the American City? Yes, History of the American City. Yeah. We never really talked to each other. And our final was a project we had to present to the class. Yeah. And part of your project included the Kanto region of Pokemon. Yeah. And part of my project included Rivendell of Lord of the Rings. And at that moment, I think we were both like, there's some vibes here. <laughs> Something's going on. Can make this work. And then was it like a semester later we ended up in HR and you're like, you live in more? I was like, yeah. You're like, you want to play pickup hoops this weekend? And then it just it just went from there. Yeah. Magic was made. It was. We played. It was God, forged. we're so much better at basketball than we were uh gosh, ten years ago. You're less ten years. You're a little bit less scrappy. Yeah. The old age has gotten the best of me. I don't I still don't care. Uh, well, call me our. <laughs> there's not a lot of NBA news to talk about. I'm going to be real honest. What? I Nothing don't want to talk. NBA? I don't want to talk about Kevin Durant. Just don't want to do it. I mean, like, I don't. He ruined my birthday. So, no. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll just we'll gloss over the Kevin Durant stuff. However, in the search for NBA content. I have a mashup for us tonight. Mashup like mashed potatoes. Kind of, kind of. Oh. I uh, big fan yeah. of mashed potatoes. Yeah, they're pretty good. Mashed potatoes are good. Brown or white gravy? Oh, I I can do either. Doesn't matter. They're gross. Brown is superior. Brown. Typically, I only have brown gravy at like Thanksgiving. Yeah, but you get me like some white gravy. Right, white gravy is a good dipping sauce too. Ugh. Dip Ugh. your chicken tenders in there. Stop that. Stop oh. it. Okay. Okay. Ugh. You and I both teach high school. In Oklahoma, we yeah. both return to school very soon. In our ninth year, ninth year, ninth year of teaching. Yes, yeah. So I figured tonight we would do a crossover. We we're going to talk about Thunder players as if they are students going back to school, like Billy and, Madison. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What they need to get better at, what they need to focus on in school. Um, if if we were their teachers, what are we expecting from them? Yeah. Right. You and I do this with students all the time. We're just going to do it with mm-hmm. Thunder players tonight. Uh, before we dive into that, though, do want to let all of our listeners know 
We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are part of the DailyThunder.com crew. Lots of cool stuff coming up with us with Daily Thunder uh, in the near future, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, I've been plugging in on the past few pods. Going to hit it again tonight. We have new uncontested hats coming out. You cannot get these where you get your uncontested shirts. These are pre-order only. We have to order them ahead of time, so we're trying to figure out how many to get. If you would like an uncontested hat, my recommendation to you, if you're watching the live stream, hit the Google form in the comments, fill it out so I can pre-order you a hat. If you are listening to this on the podcast platform of choice, hit any of our social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, the Google form is on those places as well. Fill that out. Really need to let you guys know, hat orders are final on Friday. After Friday, we are placing the order. No more pre-orders for hats. The only way you will be able to get one is like a future giveaway or a little bit of a sneak peek. We are hosting a watch party for an early Thunder game, and you'll be able to snag an uncontested hat there as well. But if you want a hat, they're the awesome Thunder U hats. Make sure to get your order placed before Friday. We will pump them all on social media again. I'm really excited about the hats, Kalmyar. Justin, absolute wizard. He's the best graphics design guy of any Oklahoma City Thunder media. And I don't think that's a stretch or hyperbole. I think any podcast, any publishing website, Anybody, Justin is the best. He's the one that makes all of our all of our merch, and these hats are no exception to the rule. They are incredible. I think he's like one of the probably top two Justins I know um, that in, in just in general or just like living probably. Um, top, top two Justin guy, definitely. There's somebody up there with them. And uh, yeah, for those that like with, with the hats, it's cool merch, but also... I mean, Justin busted his butt and he's put out five, four or five iterations of different kinds of selections that we thought might be appropriate that you guys would like. And we all kind of collectively voted on them. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, I mean, we were like, hey, Justin, we should do hats. And this man dropped in the slack like six different hat designs with yep. like each with four different colors. Yep. He's incredible. Uh, not in the pot tonight because he has a baby and a mom in town, I think. So shout out to Justin. But all right, call me. All right, let's dive in to we are teaching these Thunder players. I will go first for us. One player that we have, uh, one student that we have, we're going to call them students tonight. One student we have is Josh Giddy. And Josh Giddy has proven to me that he knows what he's doing. He's very good. He especially proved that this summer in kind of a remedial course of summer league. And he proved that compared to his peers, he's just too far along. He's too smart. Again, the the school analogy is too smart. The, The coursework was too easy. Wasn't super engaged. When he comes back, this fall for school, I want Josh Giddy to be in some advanced placement classes. I want to see if he can replicate what he did in those remedial classes, AKA summer league and do those same things in a higher stakes environment, which is going to be year two of his NBA career. I also think that Josh Giddy is a type of student that loves to help his classmates almost to the point where he doesn't get his own schoolwork done. He helps everybody else get their work done. Things look great. But then he turns in like some incomplete assignments. Mm-hmm. I want to see Josh Giddy focus on himself a little more this year. Keep helping your teammates, but help yourself too. I want to see the scoring go up. So I want to see if Josh can replicate summer league stuff where I thought he was incredible, especially going to the basket. And I want to see him replicate that in the regular season. I also want to see him... Look for his own offense just a little bit more. I think if he is more aggressive in his own offense, especially his pull-up game, that is going to open up things for everybody else on the court so he can get back to what he does best, which is setting other guys up. 
you are you are taking this very literal and I'm <laughs> I'm taking this as a very broad perspective as a student. So um I would say me as an educator, teacher, whatever you want to say, um I would say of Josh, um, it's really time to focus on instead of people coaching you your entire life, right? Uh that you take more ownership of what your education is and take more ownership of what you're going to be as a student or of basketball, if you will. Right. Um, I like take more pride and ownership on defense, particularly. So those stuff like that, take more ownership of shooting a shot, which he is trying to get done and which OKC is providing tutors for that. Right. Um, but overall, my goal is the dude needs to take more, self-initiative um because he does like you say help out his classmates very often um and i think it's made him suffer in other areas i think that's fair um come here if you take away the noise from last season by noise i mean guys that played like three games at the end of a tanking season uh when they were really throwing in the towel and you you took those guys out and then you sorted the okc thunder roster by field goal attempts per game. Where do you think Josh Giddy falls on that list? So I took all the tankers out. Yeah, and... take out the Melvin Frazier's, the Kalazakis, the the Xavier Simpsons, the Jalen Hordes. Well, and how many field goal attempts per game? Is yeah, we're so, we're sorting them by field goal attempts per game. And I just want you to want you to guess in the pecking order. Where does Josh fall? Ooh. That's kind of difficult because they shut down a lot of guys. That's kind of difficult to answer. Can I guess the number? No, no. Don't guess like how many field goal attempts he took. Yeah. Just like, was he third on the team, fourth on the team, fifth on the team, et cetera? Well, the reason why I asked is because so many dudes sat out at the end of the season. But regardless, I would say 50-man roster, probably somewhere around nine, nine, eight. He was number three. No, really? Shea took 18.8. Attempts? Dort took yeah attempts. Dort took fourteen point two attempts. Josh twelve point four. That doesn't seem real. That is, I do not remember that. But I mean, I mean it explains all the triple doubles. I mean, now, I mean, yeah, you know, all, all he's doing is going to the. He's rim running. He's not really shooting the ball that often. And there was a lot of games where he played without Shea. Where right? does he rank in the amount of three pointer shot? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Uh. Let's just have you guess. Do you know who's number one in three-point attempts per game? Again, taking Lou, out the noise. Lou. Lou, number one, 7.7. <laughs> Who is number two? Uh, it's an easy one. Shay. Yep. Mike Buscal's got to be up there somewhere. Trey Mann is number three at okay. 4.53 Jerry. is a game. Josh, Darius, and what? Ty Jerome are all tied at 3.9 attempts per game. Mike Muscala at 3.8. I guess you just remember the ones that make the shots. <laughs> uh. So, but but back to the original point of, of Josh having 12.4 attempts a game, being third on the team. The 12.4 attempts next season. Do you think that goes up or down? I think it, I think it probably stays a little bit the same. I think they are planning to play more of that bit that first season of billy donovan offense as far as all right russ and katie even taking turns under scott brooks um and then billy donovan comes to okc and he puts the ball in russ's hand but they get Katie the ball when they need they when they need him to for sure right and especially when katie just like calls for it right they gave him that trust. Um, I feel like there's a really strong possibility, whether it's this year or next year, that they're going to hand the keys to Josh as far as being the play fa- facilitator um, and ultimately be a guy that is a benefactor of what Shea can do. But Shea, everybody recognizes he's the best player on the court um, and the team captain and a guy that gets the buckets i mean so i think shay's points will go up josh's assists will go up and i think he's i think i think his total attempts free uh field goals 
actually relatively stays a little bit the same. Probably goes up a little bit, but at the same time, like you said earlier on an earlier podcast, lots of mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. So you say the the attempts at twelve point four will probably stay about the same. What about his position in the pecking order at third? Is that going to go up or down or stay the same next year? I think they try to get him to go up, but I think he ends up still being third. Do you think Shea and Lou are one and two? I think Shea and Lou are one and two. And uh, yeah, Giddy at third. And I think Holmgren won't be that far behind Josh. Okay. The guy behind Josh uh, would be Trey Mann at 9.8, Darius mm. Baisley at 9.4. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I think a good candidate to lose a few shots a game is Lou Dort. Um, I think maybe Josh goes down to closer to like 10 attempts a game and Chet eats a lot of those, but it's interesting. We'll see. So I kicked us off with Josh Giddy. Now, uh, Mr. Morabian or may Rob, as the kids call you, who, Rob. Is, who is your next pupil and what do we need to teach this next student for next year? The Marab, the Marabi Rob student is Lou Gintz Dort. <clears throat> Lou has definitely specialized in a couple of areas in his career. That's but very apparent. Lou was special ed. I was like, oh my god, we're going. Why, why would it, why? <laughs> I don't why, know. Why I just... would I kill a podcast? That makes no right. sense. Continue going. Apologies. Jeez. <laughs> Why would you say that? I Even just, like I didn't say I didn't say I, that. Why would you I, say I, that? I just I felt like this thing was about to go off the rails, but I'm glad that the train <laughs> is still operational. Jesus Christ! Uh, no, uh, Lugans Dort. Lou Dort has specialized in the um, defense against the dark arts magic. Uh, <laughs> it's really impressive for Lou, and that's been very very clear. But something I've really noticed about him, and of course you want to broaden his horizons and open him up to more, you know, guys that um, uh, on the Quidditch pitch, you know, guys that are throwing the quaffle, uh, you know, like having him actually, you know, get get the ball through the net a little bit more. Uh, specifically, though, character-wise, as a student, I'm just looking for this guy to, you know, he's always getting like 88s uh 94s uh 85s just because he's just not doing that last bit i want him to finish his stuff i want him to finish i want to finish specifically at the rim that's where i want him to finish and so talking in that obviously we know who lou is uh he is a stocky very stout defender it looks like somehow he's gotten bigger this offseason which is i sometimes i wonder if that sacrifices the speed on his uh, lateral and horizontal movement. Uh, and if that's going to be an issue for him guarding smaller guys like Dame, like he has in the past more easily, because once you put, once you start to put weight on that frame, your hips start to, um, slow down a little bit. And so you don't want those things being too big. But with that said, um, it's pretty apparent, right? That which would you rather have? Would you rather have, and I, I was thinking about this just the other day. Would you rather have Lou that finishes mm, two more three throws a game or not two more three throws, two more uh, uh, layups a game because he gets to the rim quite often. He loves to rim run, which I appreciate. He puts the ball in the deck and he'll try to like do 360 stuff off the glass, whatever. Would you rather him finish two more layups a game or would you rather have him shoot 2% extra from three from from the three point line? Oh, that's a difficult question, honestly. Like the two layups a game, putting more pressure on the rim, four extra points, that's a lot. The guy is a would be a smaller version of Jay Crowder. Yeah. I'm more efficient too. But just the the gravity, the three-point shooting gravity is so important. So like that the 2% from 3, there's a lot of context that goes into that. Like if he shoots better, do defenders not leave him as frequently? Right. Uh, do they close out to him harder? Because to me, that stuff is as important as the ball going through the hoop. 
let's answer without take, having the, the the context of what the it's a, additional it's a possible extra six points if a guy is closing a hard out on him and somebody he gets fouled or it's season wide i'll take out. i'll take the finishing i'll take the finishing okay uh speaking of that Kamiar, let me give you some statistics i like statistics Lou Dort has played three years in the league. He's about to go into year number four. Yeah. When you look at all of the field goal attempts he's taken year by year, his rookie season, 37% of all of his field goals came within zero to three feet of the basket. So basically in the restricted section layups. This man is rim running. Yes. 37% of his shots in his rookie year came at the rim. His next year, 23% of his shots came at the rim. Last year, 20% of his shots came at the rim. Mm -hmm. I would like to see him get a little back closer to that. Um, It's not going to get back to 37%, but to start closing in on that again. Last Um, year feels like an anomaly for that number just because of who he he was playing with. That's a good point. Um, His... 16 foot to three point range uh, shots per season. So this is like your longer twos, mm-hmm. 0% in his rookie year, 2% in his second year, 3.2 last year. So still a very small number, but that number is continuing to climb. Um, the big jumps are from his, from his three point shooting. Yeah. Rookie year took 46% of all of his shots from three. Second year took 51.5% of all of his shots from three. Last year, 54% of all of his shots from three. And I know this is a lot of numbers, and this isn't like the funnest thing to listen to yeah, on a but podcast. He's, like, he's a 3 and D. He's trying to become yeah. a 3 and D guy. The the most important context I can give with any of these numbers, though, Kalmyar, two numbers. Last season, uh, 4% of all of Dort's shots were dunks. He had 24 dunks last year, by far the most of his career. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Rookie season, he made 32% of his threes. Almost 40% of all of his three-pointers came from the corners. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 40% of his shots are coming from the corners. He made 32%. His second year, 13% of his threes came from the corners, but he made 43%. Last year, 14% of all of his threes came from the corners. He made 43%, which tells me I would like to see him, instead of taking 14% of his three-pointers from the corner, let's get that up closer to 30 or 40%. Less above the break, more in the corners. And I think with more playmakers on the team, there's an opportunity for him to be more of a catch-and-shoot guy from the corners and attacking closeouts Versus some of the creation stuff that he was, I think, kind of forced into last season. Yep. All right. So then are you like convincing yourself that you should have taken the extra 2% from three? Not necessarily, because um, when you look at his field goal percentage by distance, last season he made 49, or sorry, 61% of his layups. Uh, that's about on pace with his rookie season. His second season only made 56%. So I think if you got that sixty-one, that sixty-one percent um, field goal percentage at the rim, if he's making two more, that is going up much more, and you're getting into like, I'm not going to look at the stats right now, but you're getting into big man territory, and like, uh, big guys finish seventy percent at the rim, eighty percent at the rim, not six foot three guards, and if he can just be a bowling ball and constantly finish, it's He's never going to be anything like Russell Westbrook. His game is just too different. But he can have that rim pressure like Westbrook has where guys just have to rotate to the basket to try to stop you, and he's going to draw a lot of fouls. I'm saying, and this has nothing to do with like the decisions that you and I both made on like what we would prefer. Uh, Three and D guys are hot commodities in the NBA for forever, and they are especially important on playoff teams. One hundred percent. And I think this is a season where you can start to simplify Lou's role a little bit 
because again, there are so many guys that can do so many things on this team that you don't have to rely on Lou to create offense, to create off the dribble. He can, and that's a good thing as like a third mm-hmm. or a fourth yeah. option. But I think if you put him Ideally. in catch and shoot and attack off the catch, attack closeouts, that's where he's going to thrive offensively. That's where you're going to get the the highest possible outcome from him. Yeah, I'm, I think the ball's going to move a lot more, a, a lot again this year. Last year, we we were like, oh my gosh, the ball's moving so much. Uh, I think the ball's going to move a lot again, um, even when Josh and Shea are not on the court. It's yeah. just everybody's running the same thing. All right, next pupil, our foreign exchange student. <laughs> well, how, which one? <laughs> Alexei Pokashevsky. <laughs> hasn't taken school real serious he's a class clown uh everyone loves him uh he probably does wear clown shoes for real but he struggles in school it is time he needs to mature he needs to take class more seriously and i need to see some growth from him um you know he went through freshman year last year was his sophomore year you're an upperclassman now baby it's time to step up to the plate and show us what you got. Like, are you going to graduate or is this just going to be who you are? I, I think this is really a make or break year for Alexei Pokashevsky. Um, he's got a lot of stuff to prove. The first of which being that he doesn't need a G league assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need to go to night school or after school tutoring or whatever we want to equate the G league to. He needs to show that he's ready to go. Now I'm gonna to try to find it on um on Twitter here real quick and I think I, I can pull it up pretty quick. But an interesting graph that came out today. Yeah, here it is right here. Um from and one analysis on Twitter, just at analysis underscore one. Um it's one of these B ball index graphs that you see a lot of on basketball Twitter. Um the I don't teach math call me or which one's the x-axis and which one's the y x goes up and down dude are you serious y right goes now? horizontal oh my god are you serious dude i haven't done math in forever x is x- horizontal y is up okay okay there we go so the y-axis is help Maybe. defensive activity <laughs> someone in the comments correct us please uh the up and down axis is help defensive activity the horizontal axis is rim protection and Poku is way up there with guys like um, Robert Williams. He's ahead of guys like Paul George, mm-hmm. uh, Mitchell Robinson, uh, LeBron James. I'm actually going to link this tweet into the live stream here. So if our listeners want to go and look at it, they can. Poku, per, just per the stats, a very good rim-protecting help defender as a wink. I think that is a positive. And if he can really buy in on that end, that is where he can find minutes on the court, right? Like we don't want him doing the super crazy Poku shit and throwing it to the fifth row anymore. What? That's no fun. The jumper is a little smoother. Uh, He gets to the rim a little bit better. But I think defensively, he's got a chance to be a really interesting piece for this team that's got a, a lot of really tall, really long crazy wingspan wings. And I hope that we see a little bit more out of that at a Poku this year. As far as Poku, I would like to send him back to uh, geometry class, maybe for a refresher on how angles work, specifically his shooting arc on that angle. Oh my gosh. Like take a, pro well, hey. tra- take a protractor to that on your TV. That shot is still so flat after year two. Yeah, well, uh, they got the shot doctor, so hopefully that'll help. Komiar, I want you just spit out a number. How many free throw attempts a game do you think Poku averaged last season? Jesus. Uh... Blank, point, blank. It could, you could go 10.2, you could go 0.0, whatever you want. I'm, I feel like I've been lowballing all of these, but I'm, gonna st- I'm still going to, I feel like a Three point seven, oh, buddy. Did I like lowball bad? No, you <clears throat> shot to the effing moon. Oh, really? 
3.7 would be third on the team. I felt like three was a little bit much, but I couldn't because like last year, everybody played so much and so many different players played and didn't play. So it's kind of hard to guess. the. He played 61 games. Alexei Pokashevsky in those 61 games averaged 0.8 free throw attempts a game. I think that is a place where I would like to see him you want to talk about this team being 29th in offense last year, really struggling to score the ball. The best teams in the league score at the free throw line. And I would like to see Poku be a little more aggressive going to the rim and try to get more opportunities at the free throw line. Some part of me, and like this is probably the homer in me, and of course, once you say this is probably the homer in me, that obviously <laughs> means like, I, I I'm being a homer right now, so like when people say that, just remember that for the for future for future reference. Excuse me. I feel like this OKC team, specifically like the last couple of years, um, but really last year in particular, they did not get many foul calls because they don't have name recognition on their team. I think that's fair. Like, like I don't think like you're like, you're you know crazy Bron's off getting there. a call. You know Harden's getting a call. You know Shea's now starting to get the calls. Heck, Josh started to get calls um, at the end of last year, but Shea took so like how long did did it take Shea to start getting those actual star calls? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and for the record, Shea is starting to get there now. Um, he is. Averaging a little over seven foul attempts, free throw attempts a game. Uh, and that is what you want to see. But you should also kind of expect that for a guy that attacks the rim as often as he does. Okay. I was going to look up. Oh, here we go. Uh, free throw attempts per game. When you look at the entire NBA, you want to take a guess where OKC lands? Free throw attempts? Free throw attempts a game last season out of 30 teams. What position was OKC? It's got to be low. It's got to be like 26, 27. 28th. 28. I mean, like Shea, Shea tied, tied for 27th yeah. with the Phoenix Suns. They took 19.9 per game. I think best that number year. will go up next year. It's the best year, 1999. I actually watched that Netflix documentary about the 99 Woodstock. I've heard a lot about it. have not watched it. It's crazy, man. Check it out. Before we go into Kamiar's next student, I've got one in mind. We're going to take a quick moment to tell you guys, A, order your contested hats. You can find the, the link, the Google form link for your pre-order here in the comment section on the live stream. You can find it on any of our social media channels. Pre-order is open through Friday. Go get it. We're going to tell you qu- quickly about our shirts and about our ads for the week. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the uncontested podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man step back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to CottonBureau.com and search The Uncontested Podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, you're back. You never you never sent me a text back in the private chat. I literally just did. Oh. No, you didn't. You I liar. typed it. I didn't click send. Oops. That's what they. That's what they always say, guys. Listen to this. That's what they. Always, I typed it, but I never pressed send. My bad. My bad. Who okay. is your next student? Come here. My next student is Chet Holmgren. Um, he has been taking honors classes since like sixth grade. He's been taking pre AP classes since seventh grade. Uh, in eighth grade and then he started taking ap classes in ninth grade and just was it was that guy that always like uh studied a lot was always putting work into his studies and i think that's really cool um but he was a guy that you know sometimes could coast along just because of how how good he was at school he never really had to put too much work into into in certain stuff uh in, in specific areas so what we're going to do with Chet is, yeah, man, you're going to take that zero hour class um, or uh, you're going to take all your AP classes, continue taking those classes, but we're going to sign you up with a zero hour and your seventh hour is going to change. Your zero hour, you are going to start running track long distance and then your seventh hour is going to be weightlifting, homie. So that's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on mind and body as being very healthy because, as we know, uh, Chet just in summer league, Chet just in the pro am game. Even though he played like let's like forty something minutes of that game, uh, he didn't get it really on the bench that much. He was gassed, um, and he's about to go up against really, really physical human beings that are much better than, much bigger, faster, stronger than what he experienced in summer league. So, really, you can hear my dog in the background. Um, but that's what you'll be. That's what I think Chet should be doing. Um, but that's going to be a, a next off season thing. So continue taking those AP courses though, because they will fit. Um, what OKC needs, jeez, bro. I'll be right back. I think that is really good for Chet. Um, I question how many games Chet plays this year just due to fatigue, physicality. Like, people, I, th- I think a lot of fans tend to think, like, oh, players get tired because they're running so much. But I think it's a lot less of like the conditioning of running versus as a big guy for Chet, you're going like baseline to baseline every possession. And it's just the physical like nature of the game. You just get tired after getting pushed on for so long. And so I Mm. wonder, is Chet a 70 to 75 game guy his rookie year? Or is he like closer to like a 60 guy, 60 game guy? You know, I thought I thought I've, I've I've thought a little bit about some of what Chet will be like in an 82 game season, right? Um, and I thought about the the prospects of because it depends on what you think OKC is doing. Are they going to play everybody that they have right now? I mean, like you're playing a lot of the young guys too. Um, and are you going to rest guys like Chet, or are you going to have to rest guys like Chet? Just because, again, you got to consider the 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 division that OKC is in. They they don't have a bunch of like really small guys at the four and five, mm-hmm. uh, particularly particularly uh, Minnesota, and is going to be a nightmare, uh, and maybe Denver too, right? Yep. Um. So, as far as Chet, I mean. Of course, I think we we expect him to play the four on defense 
right? And the five on offense. Um, but I'm really, I'm just really curious about what, what toll this first half of the season is going to take on him. Like what the store, I've been thinking about what the eventual storyline is going to be when it's all-star break and you'll have, uh, you'll have ups with Chet. And of course he's going to get dunked on. I mean, and so I'm curious what the storyline is. Like if we flash forwarded to um, when the all-star game is all-star break, what's going to be said about him. Um, And I'm kind of like, you know, obviously anticipating the season. Do you think the, the assessment just like by knowing Chet right now and what you think his suspected role will be on the team? Do you think the headlines about Chet going to the all-star break for OKC will be written good, bad, mixed reviews? It's a great question. I think promising. I think it'll be mixed reviews as far as his impact this rookie season. I think Chet, when I say he's a long game prospect, I'm not making the Poku comparison, Mm -hmm. right? Chet is so much farther along than Poku is even right now. Like Poku going into year three is not as good. Yeah. Like anywhere close to Chet rookie season. But I think skill development, body development, all that stuff, like it's going to be a process. With yep. Chet, like we're, you, we're also you, getting Chet gloves too. By the way, and that man needs to learn how to handle the ball a little bit better. It, yeah, you've talked a lot about he needs to tighten up the handle. You know, being a seven-one guy, the ball has a lot longer to go from hand to floor than like someone like you or I, right? And I think back. I I hate making this comparison. I've done it multiple times on our show. I think back to Kevin Durant, like when Kevin Durant as a seven-footer really started tighten that handle up. That's when things started to change for him. Till was the Western Conference Finals. Touche. But, and I said at the beginning of the podcast, we weren't going to talk about Kevin, and here we he go. He got ripped in the middle of the lane every single time. But it's going to take some time for that handle to get tighter for Chet, right? It's going to take some time for him to bulk up. And, I, and yep. for the record, I don't think Chet ever gets to like 230, 240. No, definitely not. I mean, like, he'll... I, th- I think the the max amount that he will actually carry on him, maybe a little more in Kevin Durant. <laughs> you know, yeah, like if if I told you, age twenty eight, Chet was playing at two fifteen. Yeah, does that surprise you? What is he now? Like one one eighty, one seventy five. He's one ninety five right now. Oh, one ninety five. Oh, yeah, he's not one seventy five. Jesus Christ! Well, he looks, like, he looks like he looks like he's just bone with skin attached to it. Um, so one ninety five. Oh, dude, they're gonna bulk it. They they could get him to two twenty. They can get him to two twenty. If they get him to two twenty, I would be. I I think that would, taking it slow, putting that weight on over time, over the span of three, four, five years. It's. I'm no nutritionist. But I imagine it is like next to impossible to build muscle during an NBA season. His body frame is going to be harder to put on that mass, but um, and it's going to be really hard to sustain it during the season. Do you imagine how much food he's going to have to eat during the season? I was about season? to say, that dude's probably got to eat like 4,000 calories a day just to maintain. Because people don't realize, and this is why players get injuries, unfortunately, Chris Paul, uh, injuries at the end of the season that like our season ending injuries is because you build up your body uh, prior to the season in hopes that like, yes, you're still doing work. You're doing a lot of recovery, but you still lose a lot of muscle. Then you, you lose a lot of, you lose weight during the season and you lose a lot of gains you've made. And so the idea is to kind of pack on and front load it. Um, and then everything just kind of sometimes comes apart for people toward the end of the season. Yeah. That dude is going to have to eat like a Mack truck during the season just to maintain weight. I mean, it's going to be like a multi-season process. Like it was mm -hmm. for Kevin Durant. Like if I said he was as big as Kevin Durant, you feel fine, right? Oh yeah. Like he he could play the four back and forth regularly. Shit. He can play the five. five. He played five. Remember when Durant played five for Team USA in the Olympics? I mean, that was it was a, it was a garbage lineup, by the way, because like they had issues with that at that five. But I mean, he hold he can hold his own. 
100%. Like I would, I would feel fine about Kevin Durant playing at the five, like right now, honestly. Uh, and KD, I didn't realize KD's 240. Yeah. That's a little and, bit bigger than And I he thought. came into the league. He came into the league. Una- unable to what bench like 135, right? Yeah. Let me look. It, let me look it up. It's, it's a process. I think Chet will get there. The body doesn't worry me because the skill level is so high. Body That's just kind of where I'm at. Um, while you're looking up the KD stuff, yeah. I'll go on to my next student. We'll do a couple more before we get out of here. I'm going to stay on the rookies. My next student is the transfer student that nobody really knew about until he showed up on campus. J-Dub, Jalen Williams. This is a kid that just showed up. Uh, nobody really knew about him. We don't have any test scores. Uh, that's like a reference to we just didn't know much about him pre-draft process. But once you got him in the classroom, you realized, oh, wow. This kid that we knew nothing about, whenever he transferred into the district, I got his file and it had like nothing in it. This kid's like one of my best students. He's active in class. He's smart. He is a really good writer. He does all of his homework. Uh, He is a very insightful thinker. Like he's just that kid that just kind of pops. And so for him, this first year with him at our school, I just want him to integrate into the school culturally Mm. and prove that he's one of the best students. I want I want J Dub to come to this team this year. And my hope for him, what I want to see from him, is for him to prove he's one of the five best guys on the roster. And Kamir, I was thinking about this earlier today. And I'm just gonna shoot this out there. And please, if you think I'm dumb, argue against this point. I'll tell you. What was it? Last week, two weeks ago, we talked about oh, by the about- way, Kevin Durant came into the league at two fifteen. So we put on 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. So if Chet put on 25 pounds, that'd be 220, like we talked about. But that's like Katie entering the league, and he was so skinny. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, a week ago, my water just splashed in my eye. Good job. Um, a week ago, we talked about how we think the starting lineup in the front court will be Chet and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Yeah. Talked about how JRE, bigger more physical, can stand up against more physical guys like a, a Joel Embiid. Yeah, sometimes I think it's Baisley. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. What if it's J-Dub? What if this starting lineup, maybe not night one, but by Christmas, is just Shea, Dort, Josh, J-Dub, and Chet? And they effectively play Josh, who... Is listed at six eight, but stand next to Chet, and he looks pretty damn close. I think Josh is closer to six nine, six ten, and as we both have talked about, put on some muscle this off season. What if they just let Josh, who's a little slower footed, guard fours, let Chet guard fives, and obviously you can change the lineup if you're playing the Philadelphia freaking seventy sixers and you need a bigger body for Joel. But they're going up and playing Dallas, whose starting center is Christian Wood. Mm-hmm. What what if J-Dub, he's not starting, quote-unquote, at the four. He's probably in the backcourt with Shea, Josh, uh, Shea and Lou. So you're just bumping up Josh's spot? Effectively, yes. Okay. Is that the craziest thing in the world? Because I think he might be <laughs> top five most talented guy coming into training camp. I think it's an indictment of what Jeremiah Robinson Earl brings to the team. I think um, it would suggest then that Darius Baisley has made no progress at all as far as like uh, honing in on the role that he really kind of accepted and uh, leaned into towards the end of last season or when he was playing anyways. Uh, So I'd be very shocked. I'd be very shocked if that was even remotely the case. Um, I'd be, I'd be more apt to say that 
there's a possibility that uh, J-Dub steals some of Lou's minutes more than what you just said. Interesting. Okay. I just was thinking about it today. I was watching some J-Dub film. It's just Summer League. It doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. But the way... Like, if you watch, if you like Google or YouTube, J-Dub Summer League highlights, most of the baskets come, A, in transition, mm-hmm. B, off catch and shoots, mm-hmm. and C, off cuts. I'm just yep. like, man, that fits so perfectly in that starting lineup. He slides in that six, dunker spot nice. 6'6 six, six with a 7'2 wingspan. You know, he can defend probably... One, two, three, maybe some fours. I mean, we saw him defend Jabari Smith Jr. for an entire game in the summer league. He's obviously not going to body people up down low. Mm-hmm. But there's just, I I don't know. I just, I find it fascinating. I Do I think it will happen? No. But I just, I find, we talked a lot about how if anybody in the starting lineup is out, sick, or injured, or whatever, you can slide him really into any spot because he's so versatile. Mm-hmm. I just kind of started to think, why the hell don't you just start him? Yeah. I do think you, what, what, what position What position do you think they, they slide Usman to when he actually is effectively in the game? I think it, it's harder and harder in the league now to say like he's a one or he's a three. Yeah. Um, Good. But if you have to choose a wing, he would be a wing, not a big, like I look at the league now as like ball handlers, wings and bigs. Are you counting fours as bigs or wings? Because like four, uh, sure. a lot of fours. I, I think now. a big is a guy that's down low bodying people trying to block shots and being the screener primarily in a pick and roll. So I think you, Usman will be more of a play outside, shoot threes, handle the ball type of wing. Uh, versus I'm, you know, letting somebody body like Anthony Davis body me up and trying to push them out of the paint, block shots. I think he's more of a of a perimeter oriented player, and so that's where I would slot him at. So, in conventional terms, that's a three slash four. Mm-hmm. But I, I think long term he is a wing, not really a, a big man. Yeah, that's fair. He's Just so asking. fluid. Just asking. I wish he was more physical, but he's he's very fluid. So I'm interested to see what he does his rookie season. He's a little soft spoken. That we want him to come out of his shell. That's 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 Usman's. Uh, there you go. That's yeah. We uh we need to do some icebreakers with Usman. Yeah. And maybe put him in a ESL class. He's gonna yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, shoe ball good. Uh, public at ESL is English as a second language. We uh. We need to get Usman in that. So, yeah, call me yeah. Let's do like one or two more. Who's your next one? Uh, let's go with let's go with Darius Basley. I figured he would come up. Your favorite one. Favorite one. Uh, Darius came into, I mean, his entire life. A lot of things are pretty easy for him, right? Uh, just naturally, just going to school, getting pretty. Pretty pretty okay grades, pretty good grades. Um, and then he gets in high school, right? And he uh he starts taking several AP classes, and it turns out he was not ready for the smoke of taking three plus <laughs> AP classes. And I think it's time that, yeah, maybe he keeps one or two of those AP classes, but then goes back to um the just it's not like a lower version it's just like the original version of a course Mm -hmm. um and going back to the fundamentals of some other courses and that way he's just kind of sticking to a and b what he's good at in those ap classes but also getting back to some of the basics uh as far as some of the other classes and some of the other attributes you might take so just really knowing what you're good at and sticking to it, and that's why there is some hope for me as far as Baisley still being a guy that's in the lineup regularly. Um, because you saw him take on those matchups with Anthony Davis, and he was very vocal to coach Mark about that. Those things, I mean, he wants to defend the best player on the floor. Um, if he's gonna hone into that ability, 
And if he elevates his offensive game into being just a pick and roll guy, I can live with that, especially if his corner three is still going down. Yeah, that's that's the big one for me. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. He's done a lot, maybe got in too deep over his head. Now it's time to reel it back in, right? We've thrown the fishing line out, but it's too far out there. We got to reel it back in a little bit and get under control. Specifically, I think that comes on the offensive end. Defensively, I think he's been good, mm-hmm. right? I don't think he's been like some sort of world breaker, possible all defensive team down the road, but I think he's Love been the team blocks. an above average NBA defender. Like he led the team in blocks and he was, he was pretty far up on the list in blocks per game or blocks at the end of the year. Yeah. One block per game for Darius Baisley. Um, 0.8 steals per game for Darius Baisley. He does really good job of not fouling. He only averaged one foul a game. That's what it was. It was um, it was the the ability to affect shots without fouling. That was like his major deal of of being really good at defense. I couldn't remember what the specific definitely was. Um, the problem is on the other end: thirty percent three point shooter, forty eight percent effective field goal yeah. percent, which is bad. Sixty eight, sixty nine percent from the free throw nice. line, uh, not great. Like he has, we we we've talked about it to death. He's got to simplify the offensive game. Yeah. The offensive game needs to simply be, I run my ass off like I'm in a track meet in transition. I catch and shoot wide open three-point shots. Mm-hmm. I cut to the basket, and I try to dunk everything and rip the rim off. Um, and I can screen, roll, and and catch a pass and dunk it or catch an alley-oop and dunk it. Is Darius Baisley on this team after this season? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. That's just a personal opinion. No, that's fine. I, I think back a lot. What do you think it's going to happen? Easy trade? Yeah, they're not going to let him walk in free agency. Uh, I think back a lot to the final Hamadou Diallo year in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I fine. feel like it was, it was very similar, uh, a similar point. Um, and they traded Hamadou for a second round pick and Svima Hailuk, who they just let walk yep. in the off season. Um, they just did it for the pick because they knew they had a crap ton of draft picks mm-hmm. coming in. Now they don't have a ton of draft picks coming in next season, just the one, but you still got to make room. And it really becomes a question of, do you want to pay Darius Baisley however much he's going to get, however much yeah. he's going to demand as a clutch client versus you have Poku, you have JRE, you have Usman, um, you have Chet, you have all these other guys at those positions that need that time. And so Baisley, I think, has to come out and have a really, really great start of the year. Also, I think the the deadline for an extension is like Halloween. And if he hasn't signed an extension with Oklahoma City by that point, I think that should be very telling to fans. Is he going to get a treat or is he going to have to turn some tricks? You never know. Um, talking about Baisley, I want to I re- I reiterate this. I don't think at all in my mind when I say, you know, I think he could do something good, that he is the starting for for OKC in any championship playoff iteration. I just want to make that clear. I just He's a role player. I just think he could be a role player. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to just want to throw that out there. At this point, I think because I I'm guilty of it. I used to throw out some wild comps for Darius Baisley. At this point, I think is he Pascal Siakam? Yeah, I I played the Pascal Siakam one, and I played the um. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget the guy's name. Super versatile Lakers six man who ended up smoking a bunch of crack. Oh, Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. I Who was on crack? <laughs> as far as Stephen A. would say. Um, I used to make those comps. I think now a realistic, like, high outcome comp for Darius Baisley. Al Farouk Aminu, Mo Harkless. More Mo Harkless. Ooh. Yeah, Mo Harkless is more of a 
big where um, but Aminu struggles offensively. That's Aminu, Aminu had Aminu... some pretty good seasons in Portland though, didn't he? Yeah, as like a fringe starting three. Yeah, um, like as a, as a D and three guy. Yeah, so that's kind of where I see like peak Baisley coming in at. It's going to yeah. be like a Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu type player. a guy player. the bench that you can play that's, you know, somewhat yeah. reliable. Yeah, he... he Never sniffs an all-star game. Oh, yeah, nice. Probably isn't a starter on a good team. Yeah. And he doesn't can, even play every night. But he doesn't play every night, but can do some nice things for your team. I like and, nice and can things. be in your nine or ten deep. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, 10, 11, depending upon how many people you actually draft, because okay, so he keeps on drafting and then actually keeping them when we say there's no way they're drafting all these players and they yep. just keep on keeping Stay them. He said checkmate, buddy. Yeah. Uh last student. For the night, I gotta go with the star student of the school, Shea Gojus Alexander. And the thing with this student is he's in all AP courses, he does Stuco, he's in, he plays for the basketball team, obviously. Super popular, everyone loves him. He's great, the teachers love him. The big thing for this kid, though is we can't let him get complacent. He knows he's the best in the school. But, buddy, there's other schools out there, and they got good guys too. You can't get complacent. The only person you're competing with is yourself. Be better, a little bit better version of yourself every day. Push yourself a little bit harder. Uh, take it to that next level. And I think that's where we're at with Shea. Shea is very clearly the leader of this basketball team. He is an awesome NBA player. I want to see him continue to push. I think this year there's a good chance at an all-star bid for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Is there an all-NBA bid in the future for him? Um, is that not in the cards? I think that is almost up to Shea and, and what his peak ceiling looks like. I'll tell you one guy we haven't talked a lot about with the impact of Chip England on this team, I think could be Shea Gilgis-Alexander. If Shea becomes a consistent, like let's look at what he shot from three last year. It was, I know it wasn't good, just 30% from three last year. I think the season before he was at like 41%. I'm pulling that up right now as well. It was nearly 42% on five attempts a game. If he can settle in, let's say five and a half to six attempts a game from three and shoot 37 to 38% and have gravity, that opens up his downhill game so much more. We know that's his bread and butter. That's where he feasts. Just for for our student, Shea Gojas-Alexander, don't get complacent even though you're the best. Push yourself, push yourself, push yourself and achieve higher. Cool, you're the best guy at the school? That's awesome. Now be the best guy in the district, then be the best guy in the state. Right. And and just keep making that leap. I think every, every time we take a break from Shay, he comes back with something new, something better, and he has improved. Mm-hmm. If that happens again this season, I feel very, very good about where he is at. So let's say he does take the next step. What was he averaging last year? He takes that next step. What's that mean for his averaging this year? Uh, last year, just across the board, he sh- he scored 24.5 points a game on 45% field goals. That includes only 30% from three. He had five rebounds, six assists, nearly one and a half steals, and 0.8 blocks. Calmier, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the points per game stay at the same level. Uh, maybe take, I, I would say, if they don't stay at that around that same level of 24.5, it ticks up slightly because I think he's going to get easier looks at the basket this year with more spacing, um, better playmaking around him, more upside uh, as far as the players playing with him. Uh, the assists, I think, will stay the same. The, the, Rebounds, I think, will stay the same. Two places where I think he can really make the jump. Three places, sorry. One, three-point percentage. Mm -hmm. Two, free throw percentage and free throw rate. Last season, 
That's my he, only gripe. That's my only gripe about Shea is the free throw percentage. I'm like, come on, come on, dude. Like, eighty one percent last year, eighty one percent for his career, seven point two attempts last year. Can't can't be doing that. Like, if, if you can if get up to eighty five, eighty six percent. Yeah, if you're gonna be the elite player, you need to get up there. Um, yeah, that that's that's spot two where I think he can make the jump. Same spot with Josh. three. Same with yeah. Josh. Spot three defensively. Yeah. I think there's a chance he looks better defensively just because he's older, he's bigger, he's stronger. But also there is less of an offensive burden on him with all the other guys on the team. And so I think that will allow him to buy in a little more defensively, especially they're going to have, I think, a really good defensive team this year. And hopefully that culture will allow him to buy in even more uh, and be a more engaged and aggressive defender. And if that's the case, I really like the direction that Shea Gilgis Alexander, what his trajectory looks like. So what what did you say about Shea in school? I said that he's the best kid in school. Everybody knows it. We can't let him say, oh, I'm the best. I'm complacent. Uh-huh. We need to continue to ratchet up his his competition level, okay. other schools, et cetera. So hopefully he plays more games. He he is in more competitive games, and that fuels him to be better and better and better. This is how I view Shay. This dude's been taking regular classes his entire life, but has been scoring nothing but hundreds and getting straight A's. It's time to say, take some AP classes and take some initiative and really challenge yourself and really put yourself through some really hard stuff. So, like, you're taking on more responsibility and making sure that you are always the first guy in the gym. You are always the last guy to leave, which I'm sure that happens quite often. Um, But the greats are the ones that do those types of things uh, just by their own initiative. And so it's on him to do so, because like you said, he is the best guy. Time to challenge yourself, take it up a notch. You need, in order to do that, you need to challenge yourself. There will be failures, but those failures teach you lessons along the way. So it's important for him too. I love it. Well, I know Kamiar's DoorDash just arrived. So I think we are at the end of this show. Went a little bit longer than I thought we would too. So that's what she said. Get an uncontested hat. Again, you can find the Google form link for the pre-order either in the comments here on YouTube or on any of our social channels. I'll make sure to pump those out again so they're nice and fresh. We'll be back with you guys again Sunday, 9 p.m. Central Time with another episode. Hopefully we'll have the whole crew with us that time. Until then, you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll chat soon. Until then, and as always, thunder up.